you talk about sharing stories, that's what I do. I'm a storyteller by trade. Oh, I see. You're a, you're a writer? Well, <laughs> I'm a podcaster. What on earth is that? <laughs> Welcome back to the March and Mitch Show, starring Celine Sanders Pond. Woo, it's the podcast, it's the podcast, woo, woo, it's the podcast, up in here, up in here, God don't make me lose my mind, up in here, up in here. Tonight on the podcast, we're going to talk to you about solo artist Landon Tours, the lead singer from The Plot in You, his uh, new album, Frontal Love Submission, is out now for purchase. There's retail purchases available on his merch website. Celine Santa's Pond is going to talk to you today about the first six weeks of Joe Biden's presidency and all the golf he's been playing, right? There's all kinds <laughs> of golf happening and buffets and, and all kinds of shit going down. And then we're going to take it <laughs> back to <laughs> Mitchell Herring, where Mitchell Herring is going to talk about the things he enjoys about stuff sometimes or not. Stick around and find out. <laughs> uh, I was going to say, um, if Celine can guide me through the, the movies that we watched the other night, uh, I might be able to piece together something. But as far as my recollection goes, I think we will. Oh, Brokeback Mountain. Yeah, I was just going to say, let's piece we're together Brokeback Mountain. Ah! We'll talk about. Okay, we're going to talk about. Great okay, film. I have Great a, film. Okay, I don't have a piece prepared. but Still can't believe you've never seen it before. Brokeback Mountain quickly turned from the movie that I think I saw the first 25 minutes of to uh probably one of my favorites i really really we could watch it again i'd love to yeah no i, I that's one of those movies that you can watch again and again there's just a lot also it's well done about it i absolutely love those two Heath ledger and mm -hmm. um jake gyllenhaal jake gyllenhaal uh are just absolutely adorable i love well we, we can get into this once we get into the topic but there's lots to love about this movie would you look at that we have those gyllenhaals we have it we, we have maggie yeah, and you got Jake. It's a talented group of folks. And you got like two A's in their last name. God, he oh. was so funny when he was doing interviews with um, with uh, what is his name? I love Ryan Reynolds. Those two doing interviews is like watching two toddlers learn the word poop. <laughs> <laughs> like they cannot, they cannot to be in the same room together and act like mature adults. It is the absolute best interviews I've ever seen. They're so funny. So anyways, let's get this party rolling. Hey, well said, my brutal man. Let's get her going, Pitter Patter. The track of the week is Kill Me by Landon Sewers. Uh, Landon Sewers is the lead singer of Ohio band, The Plot and You. And much like a, uh, you know, a former artist we've done on the show, John Floriani and his band Trophy Eyes. Uh, this artist basically is coming from a rock metal punk background and, you know, doing just a great, great pop alternative solo performance. He's had lots of uh, records in the past that I have, you know, kind of listened to a bit here or there. Um, his main body of work has been with the band The Plot and You, which comes from the metalcore scene in the Midwest. And, you know, The Plot and You always been kind of a big, you know, heavy hitting band. Uh, this track has Rory Rodriguez from Dayseeker. And... It's just a really cool track. The music video to me, you know, starts off with a breakup and the girlfriend's got like a cardboard box full of stuff and crap. And then he's just got like a bottle of Tito's in his hand. And he's just kind of looking at her like, you, should, you really want to do this? Uh, <laughs> and she's like, Tito's is tequila, right? 
Uh, vodka. Che- vodka. <laughs> okay. Cheetos is handmade vodka. It's like top shelf vodka. I don't. Ah. I don't drink vodka, but apparently Landon Tours is a vodka guy. I. I'm more of a whiskey, Scotch, bourbon, dark liquor kind of guy. But you know, through the past, he's had records like Withdrawals and Dynamite. Uh, the first time I actually listened to Landon Tours was driving in a car with a friend on the way to Portland, and we listened to a, a really banging song that just kind of had a cool uh, intro. With lots of delayed guitars, lots of crooning vocals that kind of just slowly crescendo from like what starts off as a very like expository storytelling moment uh, where he's talking about just having a really, you know, troubled life where his struggles are rooted in probably, you know, drinking and bullshitting and, you know, maybe having a persona that he feeds too much, you know, with, you know, his the, the feedback he gets from fans and he he kind of just starts walking around the music video and he starts getting kind of pumped up and you know he's talking very 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 sleazy in a way that to me maybe it is organic maybe it's not organic i kind of feel like landon tours has this rock star persona but how much of it is real and how much of his rock star persona is just him flexing trying to look cool like mm-hmm. is maybe is is he a sleazeball is he as crass as he portrays himself in his lyrics? It, to me, it just, I don't know. Right. I haven't met the guy. Would I like to interview Landon Tours someday? Most definitely. I would love to interview more musicians, hopefully, you know, in my, my time as a podcaster and musician. Uh, the newest record, Frontal Lobe Submission, to me, has bits of, you know, uh, gospel. It's got bits of blues almost. I would say there's some blues here. And, you know, um, when you go back to the roots of American music and stuff, you think about blues and it's just like, I feel like the blues was the original emo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's people just kind of complaining and being upset <laughs> with different aspects of their life. Uh, the first time I heard that Plot and You song, the song by the Plot and You is called Disposable Fix. And I just remember hearing that the first time and, the ending of the song just really took off and took off and just kept building and building. And then it ends with a really explosive ass breakdown. And it's got this really cool, like probably drop D drop C breakdown. And on top of it, there's this badass fucking guitar solo. And then the song ends the song of the week though. Uh, kill me. Uh, the music video has kind of this backdrop of a breakup happening. Well, at the same time, uh, you know, he's kind of, uh, found himself in a setting where he's playing with his band and maybe, He's performing his music and stuff, and his bandmates are kind of looking at him like, "Is he drunk?" Is he yeah, drunk? they're kind of like they're kind of giving him like the stink eye almost. It's funny, mm. so he's motley crewing it. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. Like when you, when you get to that level of rock star slash debauchery, I mean, you've 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 peaked at motley crew. Literally, dude, the fucking dirt was such a good movie, Mitchell. Right? Am I right, man? Yeah, yeah. I uh, mean, MGK. I, th- I mean, honestly, like, I know that was probably one of the- he got the star. He got the, like one of the starring roles. You got to play Tommy Lee. Tommy right? motherfucking Lee. Dude. I think it was, I think he did great again. I I think Machine Gun uh, Kelly as an actor is probably just as good as he is as a punk artist, which is uh, to me saying a lot. Yeah, so pretty I th- good. I think his rap career was a was a ten year platform that he built. And allowed him to have a fundamental base, and then he just like just broke out into these other things, and he did so well. And it's just amazing that you know, it, to me personally, it's amazing. It, you know, don't put yourself in a box, right? Like when it comes to like your growth, your evolution, and your your individual ascension to whatever it is that you're looking for, like don't put yourself in a box. Because if Machine Gun Kelly had only stuck to rap, right? If he had just stayed like I'm, I'm a rapper, like he would be not nearly as well off as he is now. He is killing it now. He was in 
Uh, right. He would already faded into, oh, yeah, I remember that guy. Oh, yeah, he got a couple albums I liked. And now he's still putting out totally brand new stuff. But he did that movie with um, Pete Davidson, mm-hmm. King of Staten Island. He was great in that. And then he did these punk uh, these punk songs. He did that, he did that whole like uh, video that we watched. So, yeah, don't put yourself in a box. And, and let's get back on topic. Sorry. It's all good. I like what you have to contribute because Downfall's High was a fucking cool long form music video. And I like all of his new contributions to music. So thank you, Mitchell, most definitely. Um, the title track this week is called Kill Me by Lana Tours featuring Roy Rodriguez. And I'd like to play it for you now. And then we'll be right back to talk to you more about this track. And then we'll pass on it on over to Celine soon. Yay! Here we go. Three, two, one.
Excellent track of the week, sir. Well done. Well, well, well done. Thank you guys so much. There's a lot of cool dynamic shifts in the song where the song goes from like having really high energy to just like all of a sudden like it's not like a train coming to a screeching halt. It's like the train is going, then all of a sudden the train just disappears. Yeah. Yeah, and I then, see that. And then reappears. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The ghost train from Rick and Morty. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see that episode. Fuck. <laughs> I need to watch more Rick and Morty's. But, but no, um, that, that was excellent. That was very, it, it evoked a lot of emotion and was still fun. Like I was dancing in my seat. That was a, a great pick. Thank you, CSP. Thanks, Mitchell. No, I'm really fucking with Landon Sewer's newest record. Check out Frontal Love Submission. All the tracks are really, really good. Um, it is really reminiscent to me, kind of like how John Floriani has his punk band Trophy Eyes and then decided he wanted, hey, I want to do like a pop alternative solo project. And um, I've, Yes. Called everything from pop to dirty pop to just blues. And um, it really. Yes. I drank too much beer tonight. Sorry. But um, his, his, the music really, really struck a chord with me. And just, you know, should I go through with my own life with having, you know, uh, per, uh, you know, persona issues, delusions, um, you know, trying to gain better concepts of who I am and what I want out of life, as well as better understanding, you know, my mortality and like, you know, how long I live on this earth and like what I bring to the table, what I don't bring to the table. And, uh, you know, Lennon's music to me just really, really struck a chord. And it's been very entertaining to listen to this track. He's got other tracks on this album, like uh, F Pacing. And uh, I highly recommend that. Uh, Gospel Therapy is also a good track on this record. I also recommend listening to the ultimate track on the album, When I'm Gone. Uh, it's been a very, very, very eye-opening kind of record. Uh, I know Lennon Tewers does kind of give off this kind of this crass and sleazy vibe. And I'm not sure how much of that is that is really his persona versus maybe he's just kind of flexing and stuff. I mean, I'm sure all rock stars have a bit of an ego, but I'm like, where does this guy get off exactly? I'm not entirely sure. It's been really entertaining listening to his record and trying to understand him. Uh, the chorus of the song goes, so just kill me. I won't even feel it if you're with me. All I'm saying is that it's the worst I've had and I'm falling deeper. I'm falling deeper in it. And um you know, whether it's it's he's trying to communicate his feelings about a breakup like it's depicted in the music video or whether it's him trying to communicate feelings about life and what other what other stuff, you know, just um, I feel like trying to embrace your stuff, whether it's you trying to be real with yourself or you trying to be real with your surroundings. I feel music is always a good uh, medium. I myself have been doing a lot of uh, bass guitar covers and electric guitar covers to try to kind of broaden my horizons a bit and get a better foundation. I found myself distracted a lot in life and not able to, you know, really consume music in a way I wanted to, but luckily having this long stint of unemployment has kind of brought me to a point where I can kind of focus on what do I really want out of life and what do I really not want out of life. And also I realized I, you know, had goals to write original music and I was not writing any original music and I, I would try to and attempt to and all my results were not because I didn't have the good foundation to start off of. But hearing, you know, someone like Landon Tours have a career like this outside of his band, The Plot and You, I kind of realized, hey, maybe it's a good time to ask for help. Have other people kind of help you write your music or have other producers work with you mm -hmm. and stuff. Excellent. Excellent, excellent, excellent. That's all I can say. Absolutely. You're never going to... Uh, I was tell, I was talking uh, to the people at MeWork today about, you know, you're never going to grow 
in your comfort zone. So you always have to, in order to grow, put yourself in the uncomfortable zone. Hey. And and once you find yourself in that that zone, you will eventually grow. You'll you allow yourself to expand. And there's a lobster analogy online about you know the lobster. What it does is that you know it it sheds its skin. It goes into a rock, and then uh, uh, when it's to the point of it's so uncomfortable, it will uh, actually shed its shell. But it you know it retreats into like under a rock for a while. And then uh, once, you know, it takes some time to, to, to shed that shell and split it open. And then it goes back into his regular life. So, like, there are periodic times where, like, you got to put yourself in this uncomfortable zone in order to grow. And that's just part of life. You got to do the things that scare you. Yeah, exactly. Uh, periodically, not all the time. I mean, you don't have to be in a constant state of fear and just, like, throwing, right. you know, shit at the wall. But, you know, uh, periodically when you're ready to grow in your in your current role, whatever it be, music or whatever uh you know work life whatever but you gotta put yourself into that position to where you force yourself to be uncomfortable and then you're definitely gonna grow and you just repeat that process until you um end up where you want to be most definitely mitchell that's definitely an eye-opening contribution right there i feel like you do have to kind of be in the un- you have to be in your uncomfortable zone and like you kind to kind of grow out of your shell a bit a little bit selena what'd you think of the track this week i thought i thought it was great um i've we always talk about this, how I like music, but I have no idea how to talk about it. I liked it. Yeah. Um, you know, like I said, it was very emotionally evocative. And you kind of go, kind of like you mentioned with the ghost train, you kind of go through this this period of emotional investment in it. And then it suddenly drops. And you, that kind of, I think, reinforces the emotional investment because you've now gotten so into it without even realizing that you're jamming to it so hard that all of a sudden when it switches lanes, then you're like, oh, wait, where to go? And, and then it comes back. And so I think it's an excellent song. And I really enjoy always hearing the backstory that you bring to us about the the writer, or the band behind the music that we're listening to, because that sh- really brings it to life. You always do such an excellent job with that bio. Uh, like Dave Chappelle said in his, uh, Dave Chappelle said in his stand up, gotcha, bitch. It's <laughs> 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 oh, exactly what the song does to you. Oh, I, God. I, whenever. I, <laughs> Whenever we used to play Fibbage, if I ever got someone with a fib on the Fibbage video game, I would always say, gotcha, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh, God. That was Kill Me featuring Rory Rodriguez off Land Interior's new album, Frontal Lobe Submission. Uh, thank you guys so much for joining me for the music piece this week. Let's shift on over to our friend, Celine Stanis Pond, who is going to talk to you about Joe Biden's presidency, what he's got going on in the Oval Office, the White House, and all the other cool happenings going on over in this political universe we know is the United States of of America. Alex can't stop burping. I'm sorry. (laughs) All right. Uh, So, yeah. So I want to talk about Joe Biden and his first six weeks in office. And we were joking a little bit earlier about him being out on the golf course. One thing I will say for the Joe Biden presidency so far is he has actually spent quite a bit of time in the Oval Office. So accomplished nothing. He's accomplished some things. Well, I'm going to. So at the end of this, I've I've got three main topics that we're going to kind of go over real quick and then I've got some grades <laughs> I will say they're not overly generous grades you know but me. he's done a thing or two you know me I don't I don't anyways please continue so the three things that I kind of want to go over are going to be first of all one thing which has kind of been in the headlines a little bit more in the last several days which is the Middle East and what his presidency is going to look like there as far as foreign policy in that arena specifically goes his handling of the coronavirus pandemic 
And finally, what's been going on with immigration? Because when he took office, well, COVID and immigration were two of the key things I was interested to see. The Middle East is a perennial thing that we always have to see what a president is going to look like. So I wanted to include that as well. So to start with, Middle East. So we are finally just kind of starting to see what the Biden presidency might look like in the Middle East. You know, what the Biden doctrine might look like. And it's basically more or less like Obama, but also kind of worse than Obama, which isn't saying much because Obama's foreign policy was. I've seen a lot of memes about bombing kids. Yep. And the reason, and we'll go into this in a second, but the reason that this has finally come into play in the Biden presidency is because he just had his very first bombing of his presidency. Wait, really? Uh-huh. Why are well, we bombing people? Uh, we can, we'll, we'll start with that, actually. Let's start there. So he recently, uh, five days ago, he, as a warning to the Iranian government for allegedly backing uh, militant, uh, militant groups in Syria and Iraq, he sent as a warning for them to, quote, be careful and that their actions are not without impunity. He sent uh, bombers in and destroyed several buildings, um, completely demolishing two and causing severe damage to several others in eastern Syria. There were casualties. We don't know how many. So right now, one of the key criticisms is that Biden has been incredibly tight-lipped about this. He did not tell Congress that he was going to carry out a military act, which Theoretically, the president is supposed to ask first, right. then do military things. Right. The other, th you know, if that's not for whatever reason feasible, like if it would be a national security risk, the president is supposed to brief Congress on why he did this within 48 hours. We haven't heard a very clear briefing on this yet. And that's been one one key criticism so far is that we are already bombing people to send warnings. We've got casualties that we don't know how many. And... There's questionable business already about how legal this strike was. Right. So already off on a very Obama foot of we're just going to bomb things and it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Whoever thought they would say, well, maybe Trump wasn't that bad. Okay. Well, no one's saying that. I know. I'm just being silly. <laughs> but so, uh, yeah, I mean, sure. Trump, I think, had ostensibly fewer instances of you know, extra military killings compared to the ones that we see un now under Biden and previously under Obama. The flip side is that he was also bananas lenient to countries like Saudi Arabia and Israel, mm -hmm. which have massive human rights violations. Okay. And so Obama, you know, Biden's kind of walking a little bit in Obama's footsteps, but being a little bit more lenient than Obama. Obama actually uh, declined to visit Israel on one of his Middle East tours, which was a key political choice. You know, he was making the choice of I'm not going there basically until they stop expanding into Palestinian territory. So Obama made it very clear that he did not support the Israeli government's activities and wasn't interested in going there during this. Uh, Biden has already made it clear he's going to be more permissive. He's made it clear that he doesn't support the settlements, but that he's interested in speaking with the prime minister and carrying out some type of, of negotiation. So a little more lenient than Obama, way less so than Trump, who made it very clear that he was going to stand by Israel, even to the point of moving the, uh, the United States embassy into Jerusalem, which was just a slap in the face to, Pal to Palestine. Uh, so we're back to the standard quo. Exactly. We're very much back <laughs> in the status quo. Oh, God. Yeah. So that's kind of where we're at. Uh, the other flip side of the Middle East question is, as far as Saudi Arabia goes, 
what Biden has done so far is he has made it clear that he's not going to excuse things like uh, the killing of Jamal Khashoggi, the uh, the Turkish journalist that was murdered by the crown prince of Saudi Arabia. Under Trump, he actually illegally refused to release a military report indicating that Saudi Arabia had carried out this killing of the journalist. Uh Biden released the report, but has also come under a lot of criticism for not doing anything about it. Okay. Yeah, so he was called on to give sanctions against the crown prince, Mohammed bin Salman. He declined. So we know the truth now. It just doesn't matter, apparently. Are we trying to go to war? I don't, I mean, I I will say that I think that Biden right now is doing a really careful job of kind of threading the needle of a lot of varying political interests, because this is obviously stuff that could lead to war. So he's, to his credit, I will say that he's continuing in the path of, you know, his predecessors like Obama, where it was a very lukewarm policy it was very we're just going to try to appease everybody at once that seems kind of crazy to me i mean i'm gonna you know you're the politic expert not me and i i avoid it at all costs but it does seem kind of yeah when you start bombing a country that doesn't already like you that much it's it's a bold move to bomb syria especially to retaliate retaliate against the iranian government seems Certainly. Seems like a big old middle finger. And I would say continuing to kill people is not going to do an awesome job to incite peace. Yeah. In war-torn nations. Specifically, yeah. Like, make love, not war. Why are we doing this? Anyways, please please continue. I'm going to be quiet. So that's kind of where we're at as far as what we know of Biden's foreign policy so far. Um, The next stop that I wanted to make is going to be COVID relief. So this is where I think that Biden has actually done a pretty good job Mm -hmm. as far as his administration so far. So first of all, he actually just in the last couple days announced, I think I actually came out today. He announced that by the end of May, we will have enough COVID vaccines for every single adult in the United States. Good. Awesome. Yeah. Which is far and away from Trump, who... Mm -hmm lied and said that there was going to be enough vaccinations for the first round to go out and that wasn't true he also i mean we've talked about all the ways that trump completely bollocksed COVID 19 he liked to talk yeah he he liked liked to to talk talk. about stupid things like maybe we should inject bleach that was a joke no it wasn't well it literally was not he i mean i can find you the quote where he said that maybe we should look into things like cleaning products i'm not here to defend trump but yeah my point is that he put out a lot of stuff that was wildly unhelpful and seriously delayed what was going on including refusing to invest in the vaccine in fact his administration when covid first started he said uh like they said that if there is ever a covid vaccine it probably won't be accessible to poor people like literally didn't even exist yet and they were like but poor people can't have it so we're doing way better than that. Um, it's pretty impressive the way that Biden did this because he basically used uh, some doctrine that's left over from the Korean War to incite some type of production in private industry. <sighs> so he basically used this wartime power to tell Merck Pharmaceuticals, we need you to have two facilities that are just constantly round the cr- clock cranking out the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. And that's what's happening. So right now, that's that's on track. We should have enough to vaccinate everybody by the end of May, which is impressive. 
have a question. Mm -hmm. What about the uh, concerns about the evolution of the vaccine? Do we know anything more about that, about the vaccine being inefficient because the the virus itself is e mutating? I'll, I'll admit that's not something that I had time to look into specifically, okay, but it's a valid concern. Just a question. One thing that the administration is saying is that right now our goal is to provide this initial round of vaccinations meant specifically to deal with the the first wave of COVID, mm-hmm. at least so that we can focus on the others. We, I don't know personally, I, I don't know if we know much about the interplay of this vaccine with other strains, but at the very least it means that we've got this one strain taken care it of. It really does seem to be like the COVID is like the 2021 version of the flu and like we're just barely catching on to how we're going to handle that in the next 10 years and that's right. okay. I mean that's okay. Like I mean again like when the flu came out, I'm sure that we probably tanked the whole uh first couple of years when we realized what influenza was and and that's okay look, look at us now we have a flu vaccine and everyone's getting taken care of and flu is not that big of a deal uh because mm-hmm. everybody gets vaccinated every year so like i'm, I'm guessing covid's going to kind of fall into that over the next couple but again it is very scary right now as as we right are just trying to and so catch up, and so. so that's why i do think it's impressive that biden has made it a priority to roll out vaccine to everybody because at the very least, we can get our feet under us with with this strain and yeah. and move forward and re- return to some degree of normalcy. Um, the other piece of this is going to be the stimulus um, package that's being pushed forward. And right now, another thing that I will say to Biden's credit is that the measure that just passed the House, the uh, I believe it's like one point ah, shoot, I think it's one point nine trillion. I forgot to jot the figure down, but a one point nine trillion dollar uh, package to deal with coronavirus. And Biden has made it very clear that now that it's passed the House, he's calling on House on House or uh, Senate Democrats rather to just put their concerns about this bill on the table and push it through. Part of the reason that they have concerns, um, actually, Kirsten Sinema, who's a bad senator from my home state of Arizona, (laughs) a Democrat. Okay, uh, she is one of the two one of two Democrats who are saying that they don't want to pass this bill specifically because it includes the fifteen dollar minimum wage. Oh, they did that thing where they they mushed things together. Smush, smush, smush. Oh no! Yeah. And the House passed it no problem. Now the Senate is where it's getting hung up because we have such a slim majority already in the Senate, <sighs> and so that's why. I think it's impressive that Biden is saying, look, yeah. I want this bill on my desk. So he's pushing to have it on his desk by March 14th. And he's pushing for it specifically with the $15 minimum wage. On the so, Ides of March. Yeah, right? The Ides of March. Seriously, this $15 minimum wage thing, I think it has been put so hard to rest that people who are arguing against it literally are just like people who are just so invested in themselves that they it's they, been so long that we've been arguing for it at this point we should realistically be having like a 17 or 18 dollar federal minimum wage well it's the the math it's just it's just basic math i mean basic exactly yeah time versus amount of growth versus the amount and there's examples there's current examples in the world where canada where minimum wage has been raised or whatever europe at the minimum and the you know people mcdonald's the big mac will go up yeah and there's lots of i think that there's lots of really good economic reasons why we should push for the the federal minimum wage to go up and I'm glad to see that Biden finally is doing that because he's one of the, you know, that was one big thing when he was running was, well, are you going to support a living wage? And finally, we get to have our answer. Yes, he's going to support a living wage. And uh, so that's good news. Hmm? No, I was going to say, and, and, and uh, personally, like, again, like I know that some jobs get removed via, you know, like, say McDonald's puts in the automated 
you know, ordering machines. Mm-hmm. And and then a few people do lose their jobs. But as long as the minimum wage is raised, then, you know, they're going to have opportunities to find a different job. And that's yeah. okay. Like, and s- I, I wish, and maybe we should do an episode that's specifically about the minimum wage debate. I, I just, I do want to make sure that we can get through the rest of Why, we only what's have, been going on with Biden. We have lots of time. But, so, yes, I, I think we should circle back. I think there's a lot of good points to be made on both sides. But I think it's impressive just as far as evaluating the Biden presidency so far. I think it's impressive to see that he is coming through on his word that he is going to push for a living, living wage. Um, now, I will say the drawback to the way that he's handling COVID is a drawback that we all noticed for about Biden for ages, which is that he still doesn't support single payer health care. Um, his latest health care plan that he just rolled out does still include private industry health insurance. So as far as really evaluating where he's at on health care, COVID, he's doing a good job, but it doesn't address the underlying concerns about access to health care overall, including things like being able to go to your doctor if you think that you might have COVID and need to get tested, things like that. Well, this is America, so... Unfortunately. (laughs) And now the final thing that I wanted to go over, because this is one thing that I think is a really important question. Trump got a lot of flack for his, uh, rightfully got a lot of flack for his handling on immigration in the United States. And Biden has done a good job of rolling back things like the, uh, the, you know, so-called Muslim ban. He made it clear that that's not a thing anymore. He also dismantled some of Donald Trump's uh, like the legal framework for saying that it's cool to have children locked up in cages. That's not cool. Wait, what? No, go ahead. Now, the drawback is that not a whole lot has actually fundamentally changed. That just seems wrong. Yeah. So uh, recently they announced a task force to reunite families that were separated at the border. But that I feel like is just a fancy way of saying we're not doing anything about it yet. And in fact, he actually also just brought back some Trump era camps that had been opened up under Trump, were closed down, and have now been reopened to house teenage migrants. Thousands of them. But why? Um, because right now, they the reason behind what they say and why they say that it's different than kids in cages is because they say that they are making sure they've got health care and mental health services and it's a safe place to live. At the end of the day, they're still just detaining a bunch of teenagers The reason why, they say, is that there are just too many of them for them to be able to successfully screen all of their sponsor families to to be able to place them safely. Place them safely. Which, again, just feels like a lot of bureaucratic nonsense instead of allowing children to live with families. I was going to say, yeah, it sounds like that there's probably a lot of families who are willing to accept these these folks into their homes and uh, they're keeping them from them. Right, yeah. Most teenagers aren't migrating without... A place that they're planning to go. And understandably, because Biden was part of the team known as the deporters in chief, like he was under Obama when Obama had that epithet, I think understandably a lot of sponsor families, if they do have relatives living in the United States who are currently undocumented, they might be concerned about going to the federal government and being interviewed as sponsors. So it's... Jesus. It's a mess. It would be a lot easier if we just said, hey, you're a child. Maybe you should go live with a family. But this is this is where we're at. This now, he this? does. Oh, go ahead. Hmm? Please continue. Sorry. He does have some proposals that were just recently announced, um, including this task force. But he's got some proposals specifically with paths to citizenships for recipients of DACA, as well as for anybody who's in the United States without documentation currently with an 11 year path to citizenship. A lot of immigration rights activists have been saying that they are grateful to see this. You know, this is a proposal. 
but we're also all pretty aware of, you know, basically everybody was reading from skeptics through avid proponents of what Biden has proposed say that they all realize this isn't realistic. It's not going to pass the way that it looks anytime soon. So I would say as far as wrapping it up with my grades on on these three things, starting with immigration, I would say that I would be generous to give Biden an F+. Um, I give him the plus because he's got some good legislation that he's been proposing, even though it likely won't pass the way that it looks. Um, F, because of everything else, um, get rid of detention centers like you promised. Like one thing that he could have done is he could have ended federal contracts with private detention facilities on the borders. He specifically did not. He chose not to take that opportunity. So get rid of the detention centers like you promised on the campaign trail. Stop putting children in camps. Let them go home to their families. But good milk toast legislation, I guess. Um, now for the Middle East, I'll give him a C plus so far. Or actually, so, yeah, sure, C plus. Give him a C plus so far because he is kind of carrying on with the safest path forward based on what's worked so far. It's not as ridiculous as Trump, but we're still bombing people who don't deserve it. Um, and then finally for COVID, I will give him an A minus. Um, I would give him an A, but without looking at overarching health issues like uh, being able to have single payer health care and policies like that to protect health care long term. I would say that all of the good stuff that he's done is kind of overshadowed by that. But I will give him an A minus on COVID. Wow. So that's my grades for six weeks of, of the Biden presidency. Sounds like a pretty shit to grade to me. Yeah, his GPA is not so good so far, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. He sounds like another politician. The only thing that you know, the only thing I think different between a politician and Trump was that politicians know what to say when in the public eye, whereas Trump just didn't have a fucking clue. So when he sounded like an idiot, people got to hear him exactly. And now we have it. We're back to the norm where a politician knows what to say. And they don't sound like an idiot, even if they... Which is why we haven't heard so much crazy stuff. Like, I feel like Trump, every three days I was seeing, you know, or more, I was seeing like, ah, this crazy new thing. Yeah. And now it's been like a really nice little reprieve because it's not as many crazy things. But when you actually research it, it's pretty much still business as usual. Yeah. Politics suck, period. And anybody who thinks otherwise can fight me over it because you're wrong. I don't care what side you're on. You're wrong. You're wrong. Like, no matter how... It just That's all it is. You're wrong. And I'm sorry that you have to hear it from me, but you're you're literally wrong. There's there is no right, there is no wrong. There is just politics, and politics will always be here's what you want to hear, here's what we're actually gonna do, and this is what we're gonna you're you're gonna get the feedback either way. So congratulations, America. You've done it again. God, I wanna move you get to that Canada. Off your chest. God, I wanna move to Canada. At least they have free health care. Even if it was, if, if Canada was the same as America, but they just had free health care, it would still be better. Amen. It would. Let's, uh, it, do we want to go ahead and, uh, and wrap for a sec? No, no. We're just, no, no. Move to Canada. Run away. Run. Da, 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 da. I'm done. Okay, I'm good. Canada has metric and they have that's alex fuck the free health care but they have the metric system that's what we want well actually i was talking about alternative rock band metric but oh, but oh wow. also, good. also good i'll take both but that's true yeah they also have the calgary flames in letter kenny yeah also yeah. true also true Ooh, and grizzlies <laughs> anyways <laughs> do we just like want to like <sighs> brokeback mountain what Honey, this is your piece. I'm tired. I don't want to talk about Brokeback Mountain anymore. 
We'll be back in a second. We have decided this week's nostalgia piece is going to be not a nostalgia piece. Brokeback Mountain. It's kind of nostalgia. Good movie. Go watch it. End of story. And halfway. Yes. Heath Ledger. Uh, what's his name? Jake Gyllenhaal. Jake Gyllenhaal. Brokeback Mountain, a piece where uh, two wild cowboy lovers uh, don't start out as lovers. They, they start out as co-workers, and they find themselves in a romantic relationship based off proximity and sheep herding. Uh, no pun intended. What? They herd the sheep. And the sheep, you know, sheep. What's the pun? The peen. The, the peen. The pun. <laughs> Oh, goodness. <laughs> the, the, you never heard any farm jokes about, you know, wah, wah, with sheep? I guess I, no. All right, well, all right. There, there's a lot of puns out there, a lot of jokes about being made about, you know, sheep farmers and rubber boots and, yeah, either way. Uh, this movie's super good. Again, these two phenomenal actors do a great job. Heath Ledger brings his A game. He sounds like a disgruntled person who's been hit in the face and has a lower jaw. I know. I love his accent. His accent is lower jaw. Have you seen this, Alex? I saw Brokeback Mountain probably like when it came around the time it came out, like on DVD. Yeah, yeah, a long, a long time ago. Absolutely phenomenal. I, it's- just, I just remember Anne Hathaway seeing him in the car with her bra. Yeah, she does have some nice tauntauns. <laughs> just, just I just remember like that brazier is like really nice looking. Honestly, it's more like a it's it, it, considering the amount of kids they have. And that's the, funny that that's what you took away from the gay movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the character development really speaks to the fact that it's not just a gay movie. It's not like they I mean they love each other. It's not that they're just gay and hiding. It. It's that they end up like they have this. It's, it's more like bisexuality that they end up finding these relationships that they they have and they like and they have their wives and stuff and they have kid they both end up having kids mm. but at the end of the day they they really found something special with each other uh on Brokeback Mountain and they they just can't they just can't tear away from it you know no matter I mean, it's years the movie itself it just is years and years and it's just this terrible long drawn thing where they want to be with each other but during the time the movie takes place so you know that just being a gay couple is just not acceptable like the movie depicts that the fact that like when he was younger that he he saw a gay man just dragged through the streets basically mm-hmm. um uh, heat ledger's character and just being gay is just not acceptable in this timeline and so the movie is really just like um it's it's a true love story honestly like you know you can't be together but they want to be together and at the times that they get together that the that they're you know, emotions are so powerful, they just can't resist each other, and it's very touching. And so, again, this movie is something that I saw, like, the first 20 minutes of and, and never finished, and then we watched it the other weekend, and it was uh, really touching. And, like, I really, really, really enjoyed it. It was very heartfelt and probably one of the truest love stories that we've seen in the last 20 years as far as it comes to, you know, real-life hurdles and real-life relationships. So, you know, relationships mm-hmm. are not clean and not easy when it comes to to love like there's a lot of hurdles that you're gonna have to deal with there's a lot of adversity that you're gonna have to overcome and this this movie does a great job of depicting like what it actually means to be in a relationship unfortunately the movie does not end well but at the same time i think it does put on a pedestal what it means to to actually care for somebody and want to be with them but it does requires some longevity and and unfortunately these two don't get that in this movie so nostalgia trip of the week broke back mountain uh one of the truest romeo juliet style movies you've seen it's very good celine 
Yeah, I I already said I I think it's a fantastic movie. It is a good film. Yeah, it it is. It is a good film. Like it is. It is a lot more three dimensional than just Mm -hmm. like you know like the gay cowboy movie. It's it's often coined as the gay cowboy movie. Yeah, but it's it actually is really three dimensional and like the story is like entertaining and it's 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 very like you can get a lot out of it if you watch it. Yeah, I'd be interested if you end up watching it again at some point in the in the future, Alex. I'd be very interested to see. Any any other takes that you have on it after seeing it again, especially having seen it when it first came out, which was yeah. so long ago. My 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 other takeaway from the movie is just uh like rodeo rodeo lights and like the, yes! fair, the fair lights. Mm-hmm. I just I like I like fair like fair lights, you know. Yeah, like, it's got just a very good western yeah. feel to it. Like the scenery is gorgeous. Mm-hmm. I like stuff like that. Yeah. I cannot wait till we all get to go enjoy the fair in its full capacity. I want to go to the fair. With yeah, you know. yeah. yeah. Post COVID, I can't wait till we can all go and me and Alex can have the uh, delicious beers and then go get loaded up on stupid fried food and have to be carted. Corn dogs, yeah. corn, corn dogs, corn dogs, <laughs> corn dogs and Chinese food. And just carted away to the beer garden where we are left for our Uber to pick us up. <laughs> I look forward to that day. But this has been the show, The Nostalgia Trip. Sweet, short, and easily digestible. Um, Again, my my piece will be dwindling as as the days go on, only because of time constraints and uh, work schedule. But we will always bring you delicious content, just like a a chocolate. I said what I said. (laughs) Chocolate candy bar uh, with a little bit of filling in the inside. This has been your March and Mitch show starring Celine. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, guys. Have a great night. Thank you.